hear us through your AirPods or see us on your laptop, how about meeting us in real life? Because we're taking Queer Money on the road this summer and fall. Visit QueerMoneyPodcast.com forward slash tour or the link in your podcast player to find out when we'll be in your neighborhood. Data shows that it can cost over $250,000 to raise a kid just to the age of 18. Yikes. But the question isn't, why would anyone want to have kids? (laughs) The question is, how do you prepare successfully financially for having kids? And that's why we invited our longtime friend and podcast peer, Andy Hill of the Marriage, Kids, and Money podcast onto the Queer Money podcast today. Andy and his wife paid off their $200,000 mortgage, acquired a million dollars in net worth, and started their own business, all while having two kids in tow. You're listening to Queer Money episode number 247, and we're talking about having children and still succeeding financially. We make the Queer Money podcast for you, so please email your money questions to questions at debtfreeguys.com or post your questions in the Queer Money Facebook group, and we may answer your question in an upcoming episode. There's personal finance for the masses. This is not personal finance for the masses. This is Queer Money. This podcast is sponsored by Capital One. Capital One is redesigning the banking experience by offering simple, straightforward, and seamless ways for you to bank from almost anywhere. So banking fits into your life, not the other way around. We're often asked, guys, how do my partner and I get on the same page with our finances? It can be a scary conversation to have, but it can also be a fun and productive one. That's why we created the Couples Money Guide so that queer couples can get on the same money page. Between now and Valentine's Day, February 14th, Get both the Couples Money Guide and the Budget Buster Bundle, the same budget that we and many of our credit card payoff course members use to pay off debt and stay out of debt, all for one low price. So welcome, Andy Hill of the Marriage, Kids, and Money podcast to Queer Money Podcast, finally. (laughs) I'm happy to be here. Thank you so much, gentlemen. We're excited to have you. Thank you so much for coming on. And uh, the reason why we wanted to have you come on is, uh, you know, with marriage equality that happened in 2015, we're starting to see somewhat of an uptick in same-sex couples having more and more children. Uh, At that particular time in 2015, only about 20% of same-sex couples had children, and a lot of them brought their children from previous marriages. So we're starting to see some of the trends change. One of the challenges that we are seeing, though, is that there doesn't seem to be as much preparation with financial planning to not only have the children, but then to also prepare for raising the children. And, you know, I think uh, it was the USDA published a couple of years ago that it can cost almost 235000 or more to raise a child from birth to the age of 18. So it's not without its consequences. So that's why we wanted to have you on since you're the expert at marriage, <laughs> kids, and money. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, that's probably without the college costs too, right? Correct. Yes, it is. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, that, that makes it exponentially more expensive. So we'll also dive into that as well. But sort of to kick us off, we're curious, what are your suggestions or what in your experience with having children, what financial preparations are important for after the stork arrives, after the children arrive, you know, obviously the same sex couples, there's a lot of financial preparation typically with surrogacy and adoption, but after the baby's born, it needs to start eating. (laughs) So how do you prepare for that particular point in time and shortly thereafter? Yeah, that's right. I mean, but Nicole and I were two, you know, late twenties, uh, enjoying our, enjoying ourselves, going out to the bar, going out to restaurants, going to concerts and yeah, when the baby comes, (laughs) the budget has to flip, man. So we, we, we had, uh, some, I guess not too surprising, I guess you know what's coming, but things like diapers, formula, 
uh, things like that need to make their way into the budget. And then like the beer budget gets hit, you know, a little bit the, the partying <laughs> budget gets hit a little bit. So you just have to adjust accordingly. And I think it's important as you guys espouse a lot is to have that open communication with your partner to make sure you know what you're spending on today. And then when your child comes home, that you have to adjust things accordingly. And it, you'll, you'll find that flip. It's kind of jolting, even though you might prepare for it financially, <laughs> it's jolting because it's, it's a, a big change of your life. It's a big change in, in a good way. You know, I mean, some days I might say a, a, a different way, but today, right now, when I'm talking to you guys, it's, it's fantastic to be a, <laughs> to be a parent, especially when they're at school right now. Um, <laughs> and, but yeah, financially, yeah, you got to be prepared. Things like that, like the cost of food, the cost of diapers, the cost of daycare, you know, how are you going to, take care of your child is this something that one of the partners is going to be staying at home and and, and raising the child or are you going to be working in some sort of part-time situation then having daycare for the other time that can be a big cost i was uh, lucky enough to have a wife that wanted to eventually stay at home with our child in the beginning what we did was move from her being a full-time employee to a part-time employee and so with her income getting cut in half that was an adjustment for us financially at that for point. Sure. And then we sort of stepped down into her being uh, eventually a stay-at-home mom. But all of that requires conversation. I'm a big fan of having a budget and looking at it, seeing what numbers you have put on there to say, hey, these are the top priorities for us right now. And if you're going to be a parent, you know, your priorities are going to shift. So those are just some of the highlights uh, that we that we started to talk about amongst a million other things. <laughs> right. I think that when I, I think, especially for gay men, I think about some of those costs that <laughs> are immediate costs that maybe same-sex female couples, especially if one of them is the biological mother that carried the child, or in, in your situation where you have opposite-sex couples and one of them carries the child, there's probably certain costs for gay men that are not necessarily there for those others. Like you mentioned, formula. Yeah, breastfeeding's not going to be an option. Exactly. And, you know, to <laughs> you be honest... Try. I you can try. You can try. I don't think <laughs> right. skinny baby. <laughs> <laughs> I never realized how expensive formula is. Oh, yeah. John and I were at the grocery store a few weeks back, and we were standing in line, and the line, you know, because they wanted to keep people socially distanced, the line went back into the aisle, and the aisle that we were standing in is the aisle that had, literally, they have formula in a glass-locked case because it's so expensive that it's i'm assuming it's probably an item that people want to take yeah it's like it's like the razors at uh at the the, the convenience store right they lock yeah, them up right exactly <laughs> so you know some of those costs i think that are we think about things like oh yeah we want to buy the cl the clothes to dress the kids up we want to do up their rooms we want to have all of the the nice things the kind of the outside of the things that make us feel like we're more of a family, but we forget about those those actual costs that are associated with keeping that kid alive. <laughs> yeah. And, and to your point, I, I would look for, and maybe this is the, you know, the, the money guy here, but I'd look at buying a lot of that baby stuff in the beginning used, if you can. Toys, mm. you know, the baby gear, a lot of that stuff, super expensive. The swings, the you know, things like that. Some of those things you can find on Facebook Marketplace. A family used it for maybe three or four months until their kid grew out of it. And then, you know, it can live another life. So those things can be very, very expensive, but they can also be totally fine if you find them gently used beforehand. 
Don't buy a gently used car seat. There are rules against that. But <laughs> finding some ways to bring down the cost of the things that you think, oh, I got to spend a ton of money on this. Not really. You, you don't need to. And and then focusing on things you really do need to, they need to eat, they need to have diapers, they need to have some care, whether that's daycare or, or a family member at home. Those are, those are the important things. Absolutely. Exactly. Are there, is there a resource other than maybe a 400 page book of expenses, <laughs> of expenses that uh, a to be parent would want to look at so they can start adjusting their budget in preparation for having children? Oh, you know, that's a good question. I think there's lots of good books out there that kind of kind of bring you, uh, you know, the the what what to expect when you're expecting kind of stuff that mm -hmm. sort of give you an idea of what is what is coming up in your life. But yeah, I mean, a lot of these are trial and error, too. You know, yeah, you, you right. get there, you know that they need to eat, you know that they need the stuff. And actually, as you are preparing, you know, we did this when we were, you know, expecting our, our child, we just start to talk to a lot more parents, you start to talk to people you trust, mm -hmm. because you go on the blog, you go on the books or whatever and you're like, oh, I need to get it all. Talk to people you trust. Talk to people who've been through the process before and find out what what worked for them. You, you're going to find yourself in a lot more sort of parenting groups or, <laughs> or people who have, who have kids and ask them how they sort of hacked their parenting in a way that it doesn't, uh, you know, break the bank, but it also gives their ch children a good life. Absolutely. Would you say that there are any one or two expenses that you weren't prepared for that maybe surprised you? Yeah, you know, I would say um, a couple of them. I'd say diapers were, were a huge surprise. It's just one of those things that drags on forever, you know, <laughs> because it's not just, oh, you need them when they're a little baby. It's like, well, maybe they need it a little longer, too. And it lasts five or six years, you know, so uh, yeah. so it might be one of those expenses that is a, 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 not just when they're when they're little babies. And then the cost of college, honestly, is a gigantic surprise for me. And it was a gigantic surprise for me. And we we, we did something interesting when we started. We knew how long we had. We got 18 years right before they go to school. And so we wanted to take advantage of compound interest as much as possible. So mm -hmm. we we put $10,000 in a 529 right when my daughter was born so that we could sort of lump sum it and then grow it from there. But man, I did not know that an in-state college, not a private school for my daughter in 2030 is going to be somewhere around $200,000 for for all, you know, all, all of her needs. That is a lot of money. It and is. that still surprises me even after it's coming out of my mouth right now. <laughs> <laughs> so you clearly then had to work some of this into your financial plan, into your budget, right? Yes. How did you work that? I guess it's nice to know that you had the $10,000, but not a lot of couples just have that cash, right? So how could you work something like that planning into your budget? Yeah, I, I would say the, the lump sum thing was a, a, a nice to have, not necessary. Right. You know, what you could do is just budget a certain amount of money per month to say, here's how much we're going to put away for college costs for our child. And even though we did that great thing and we're, we're putting away money each month, I don't think we're going to actually get to the amount that we need for our child to graduate completely debt free. And actually, I think we're OK with that. Nicole and I have come to grips with, hey, you know what? If we get to 80,000 or 100,000, that's fine, you know, because our children could work on getting scholarships. Right. They could work in high school what? and college. No. And pay, I know, Dad, I know, they're going to be okay. You're the they're worst. Be okay. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> they could work. And, you know, I've seen studies that kids who work, I think it's like eight to 10 or eight to 15 hours while they're at college, they actually do better in school because they're working hard and they're, and they're actually paying for their future. So, 
even if we have to do a couple years of community college in the beginning to get the uh, lower cost, but still get the credits through, I think there's going to be ways to slice it. But what we didn't want to do was sacrifice our retirement and we didn't want to sacrifice, honestly, some some enjoyment today so that our kids can completely graduate debt free. And so maybe that's a selfish parent of me, but I think it's important for Nicole and I to be able to retire comfortably well, as it, well as enjoy our lives today. So. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I think it's it, it's an interesting thought process of we see a lot of parents today who are either Gen X or baby boomers who are still covering the cost of their children's life, right? They're covering expenses like I think that there was a, a study that was highlighted in, on CNBC that said 47% of millennials still have their parents paying for some aspect of their daily necessities, whether that's <laughs> phone or rent yeah. or food or whatever the case may be. You think, well, what happens to these parents who aren't setting money aside for retirement when they get to the point where they no longer have any money, who's going to support them? Do the kids now need to start anning up and supporting their parents? Because I think that most kids think or have this idea or dream that their parents will take care of them. They will then take care of their own kids. They won't ever have to take care of their parents financially. It may be a shock to some of these kids. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, it's a cycle too. I mean, if they run out of money to take care of themselves by the time they get into their 70s and 80s, they're going to look back at those kids who are now making good money for the college that they help and pay for to say, hey, I, I need somewhere to live. <laughs> I right, need to yeah. help me with all my <laughs> medical costs. So it's got to happen somehow. But I mean, to your point on this gradual evolution of sort of letting your kids go. And I only have a eight-year-old and a six-year-old today. But even now, we're giving them progressive levels of responsibility so that when they do turn 18 or 22 and they, they find their way out of the house, that it is that progressive bye-bye out of the budget, you know? <laughs> yep, exactly. <laughs> We've been paying for these diapers. We've been paying for this formula forever and your kids' activities and, you know, sports and things like that. And now it's time for you to be in charge yourself. So we do we do some of those things by giving our, our kids chores and we give them rewards for those chores at the house. So they are getting the responsibility of knowing how to help here and knowing how to earn money over time. Yeah. And as they get a little older you know, and they want that cell phone, maybe our next level is, hey, you get the cell phone, we'll pay for it on a monthly basis, but we're going to give you the money so that you physically have to make the payment. Mm -hmm. So they get used to the responsibility of making the payment and then they miss the payment, then maybe, oh, their phone's not working, you know, so, yeah. so they get those realities <laughs> as they get older. And Dad, as they what step happened into to my phone? Life. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> it's called it, life, honey. You know, it's, Yikes. <laughs> that's a, a, an interesting thing a, along the way, what kinds of costs will your children have? I was fortunate enough, you know, many of you know that I have a stepson. My ex and I were together for five years and Joey was born the first year that Stuart and I were together. And at that point in time, I was working for a mutual fund company and I made the smart decision of opening up a UTMA, a Uniform Gift to Minors account for him to just start setting aside money for nice things to have. And I am so thankful that I did that because along the way, John and I now have been able to make purchases for him, like buying him a cell phone, buying him an iPad, sending him on a 
really nice graduation gift when he graduated from high school, sending him on a trip to New York with his best friend. And the nice thing is, is like you had mentioned, we took advantage of the compound interest to grow that money over time. So I put up some money in the beginning, but then the growth has taken care of growing that money and paying for those nice to haves. I love that. And there are, you know, there are special tax advantages of doing that too, which make it uh, even more beneficial for, for that guy. So that's very cool. Yeah. Yeah. So one of the members of our credit card payoff course, uh, we did a spending analysis with him and his husband and they were surprised and we were too, um, about how much money they were spending to send their kids to birthday parties and then to also <laughs> throw birthday parties for their kids. And I, okay, I'm a Gen Xer. I don't recall having such fabulous birthday parties, but it seems like things have changed now. And so I'm, I'm curious, is, is this a, is this a real expense or is, or, is, or is this couple sort of an isolated couple? Is this like something that parents need to really prepare for and budget for? Is there a competition in birthday parties? This was also a surprise for me as well, but it's also something very important to my wife, you know, in the beginning I'm like, Hey, you know, yeah, we send them with a little gift and uh, they come home, they eat pizza. Right. <laughs> Uh, in our community, I guess that's not the case. Yeah, you know, we 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 move to a we move to a nice, well-to-do community, and with that comes very nice birthday parties. So yeah, we 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 budget for our kids to have a nice birthday party in our house. So we put away. I think we spend about six hundred bucks on our birthday for each of our kids. So we budget fifty bucks a month wow. and a little sinking fund. So by the time their birthday pops around, we've got enough to have them a little party, party nice. with their friends and some gifts and some fun and you know, some, maybe some entertainment. In the past, we had like a little Disney character come to the house, you know, things like that. And it's, you know, if for me, I'm like, can we just like order pizza and have to do a sleepover? Because that's what I remember when I was a kid, you know, we didn't do, we didn't do, we didn't do it up like that or go to the bowling alley. That was like the big thing, right? Right. But for our kids, I mean, they're having great memories and I love it. And now I'm into it. You know, in the <laughs> beginning, I was like, can we really, come on, can we just spend a couple hundred bucks or whatever. But now I love it. And the kids love it. They look forward to it every year. So, it's it is in the beginning I thought it was something maybe a little ridiculous and now I completely on board You've and I love it. So we budget for it. <laughs> right. I'm in. I'm in. <laughs> and then as far as the parties, yeah, uh, they'll pop up. I mean, COVID has kind of changed that a little bit lately, but we used to get invites all the time and we got we got to go to this party, this party and yeah, it's something that we just made a line item for birthday parties, events that are going on and we throw it in there and then we don't have to feel bad about it. If it's if it's in the budget and it's planned for, then we don't have to feel like we're you know, maybe we want to not give as much or skip it all together. If we've set aside and we know it's important to our kids to have some fun, then we make it a priority. Mm -hmm. Do you think then, I guess for you personally, but then I also kind of want to think about the couple that may not have the financial security to be able to do that kind of thing. Yeah. How do you set boundaries around how much you set aside or how much you spend? And how do you tactfully then go back to some some families and say we're just not going to participate right? sure, i think yeah. that's going that has to be a hard thing for your child or, as well right being able absolutely. to say to your kid okay you know what we can only afford this much or we're you're not going to that party or you can only have this number of kids come to your party yeah i think a lot of it has to do with starting those conversations because i think kids are I give them more credit than than I do sometimes. You know, when we have conversations with my daughter about the reality, because our, our income has has flexed up and down over the past couple of years. So 
recently were saying, hey, you know what? This year, sweetheart, I don't think we're going to be able to do that $600 birthday party. Would it be okay with you? Not only with everything that's going on with pandemic, would you be okay with just doing like a, you know, a small thing with family? And, and she said, of course, that's, that's fine. So I mean, having some of these conversations with your kids to understand the realities of life, I think is important. Mm-hmm. They might be upset in the beginning, especially if they're used to the big stuff and then it goes down. But I think more communication with your kids is important. And then if you get a lot of invitations to things that you physically can't afford to do or don't want to, I mean, there's one thing about going to a birthday party and not bringing a present at all. I would be better. You probably didn't go to the birthday party. So the power of no is very important when it comes to your kids, as well as all the invitations you get. I mean, we can't do everything that we get invited to or that we want to do or that comes our way if we can't afford it. So tactfully saying we're not available, we're not able to make it at that time. And, you know, hopefully we can get together in the future. I think a lot of people will understand, especially with all the invitations that come out. This is the same thing for wedding season. You know, everybody gets married and those are some big gifts. Or if it's an out of town wedding, we can't go to all of them, even though we want to. So we just have to find a way to tactfully say that the same way with birthday parties. (laughs) It's it's just a new season. It goes from wedding season to birthday season. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's true. Yeah. And all those kids who are born in the middle of wedding season. Sorry. Yes. <laughs> exactly right. Which which one's going to be the more fun one? <laughs> right. Oh. Mom and dad want to go to this one. You go and go to that one. <laughs> exactly. Right. Well, we know of stories. We've had friends who have had to take their kids to three different birthday parties in one weekend. Oh yeah. And I was like, you work all week and for your weekend, and all you are is a taxi driver to birthday parties. That yeah. It's, and you know, you're spending you know at least twenty five bucks if not more on each birthday gift like it's that's not even beer money (laughs) that's a real thing you know nicole and i have talked about that a lot we get to points in our parenting where we're like all right we want to make sure that we have one weekend where we're doing nothing so we would physically plan it out on our schedule and be like all right this is the no plans weekend and if other things popped up opportunities birthday parties we would make sure that we would stick to that because having that relaxation and sanity on your weekends, especially if you have a busy job and a busy week, mm-hmm. you need that because you'll burn out. You can burn out as a parent very easily going from birthday party to hockey game to, you know, all these things back and forth. And then it's Monday. Right. Whoa, I didn't even get to relax. So just like our money, I think we have to control our time as well. We can we can't do it all. So we have to say no to certain things and we have to say yes to important things like relaxation you know, taking care of your health, especially during a season like this. And that is doubly true for busy parents. And now a quick word from our sponsor. Capital One's checking and savings accounts have no fees and no minimums. And with one of the best saving rates in America, you can rest easy watching your money grow with no fees to bring you down. You can open an account in about five minutes, which means you are only about five minutes away from getting your savings to grow with one of the nation's best rates. So let me ask you, there's so many pressures on us as individuals. How are you and Nicole dealing with the additional pressures that are put on you as parents that come from other parents, from your respective families, from your kids, because the pressures that are being put on by them, by their friends? How do you deal, I think, especially in the age of social media and the imagery that we all like to share about how fabulous our lives are. How are you dealing with that? Because, sorry, I'm just going to take a step back. One of the things that John and I have noticed is there is almost this 
obsessive compulsive need within the gay community of men who have children to one up each other with the fabulousness mm -hmm. of how they throw parties for their kids or mm -hmm. the images of their family photos that they post on Instagram. It just seems like there's just this huge amount of pressure, which I can't help but think that also trickles down to your finances. Yeah, I think it, it, it comes down to the parents too. I think having those conversations between the parents saying, all right, what makes us happy? What keeps us content? Are we always striving for more? Are we always trying to push for the next thing? And in, and in turn, are we showing our kids that? And is that going to be a cycle that is going to be very hard for us to break, let alone our kids and their future? So I think especially during the season when lots of bad things are happening, it's important for us to look internally and find out like, what am I thankful for? What am I grateful for that I have right now in my life? And I don't need to go out and try to be what everybody else is on, on social media or what, or what they're, what they're doing out there. I need, I need to realize what I'm happy for, what makes me content and having those conversations with your kids out loud and maybe even finding time to say what you're grateful for, whether that's at dinner or as you start your day, I think that's a, a good thing to reinforce your children as opposed to. I saw this, I want that, we need that. Uh, reinforcing those conversations in your relationship can be poison for your kids because they're always going to want more or seek out more. So if you are the example, they're going to follow it mm -hmm. or they're at least going to see the way to find contentment and gratitude instead of looking for it on social media. It's a great point. And I'm curious, you know, we just recently did a, a poll in the Queer Money Facebook group where we asked those individuals who are in partnerships um, if they were on the same financial page with their partner. And uh, over 17% of respondents said that they weren't on the same page with their partner. How did, how did you and Nicole get on the same page? And how would you suggest those individuals who aren't necessarily on the same page kind of start getting in that direction? Sure. Yeah, it was a lot of trial and error. You know, uh, in the beginning, I uh, we got together because uh, we laughed a lot and we partied a lot, and I thought she was beautiful. And I was like, "How can I marry this woman as quick as possible?" The last thing that we talked about was was finances. But man, as soon as we got together, it's all finances, right? Are we going to combine our money? Are we not going to combine our money? Hey, I've got this debt. You've got this debt. What are we going to do with it? The money questions happen real fast. And in the beginning, for me, I was sort of a numbers guy, being like, "All right, well." You know, we've got this combined income now. We're making like maybe like $130,000 together. That's great. And uh, we've got $50,000 of debt combined. Well, what if we just sort of live on half or what we used to live on essentially and just pay off all of our debt and then we'll be debt free? And, and I said that to her and she's like, what? I, that, that sounds like you want me to have less fun. And uh, who cares about being debt free? Everybody's got debt. And I was like, well, no, it makes sense to me. I'm, I'm the numbers guy and this, this, this math works. <laughs> And for her, she's like, all right, pal, whatever, I'll see you later. And I'm like, what did I do wrong? And so I, I recalibrated myself and kind of thought like, okay, what does she want? What are her goals? What are her dreams? And for her, a lot of our conversations after, you know, the first, you know, six months, a year were, I'm not really digging this job and I would eventually love to stay at home with the kids. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, okay, you know, light bulb moment. Okay, stop talking about the numbers, Andy. Start talking about the dreams. Start talking about the why. Start talking about the financial goals with her, what, what that can mean. And so I went back and I said, okay, well, if we did something like this, this would allow you to be able to go part-time and eventually stay at home with the kids. And I know that's what you want. And if, what if I made a plan and we got together once a month to just review that plan 
and see how we could get there and, and do it together. We can do it for fun. We can drink wine together and have pizza <laughs> and it can be a moment. And so I called it the budget party and she thought it was funny because she's like, all right, you're trying to make numbers and budgeting sound sexy and they aren't. Um, <laughs> but 10 years later, we're still calling it the budget party. But <laughs> nice. w- one, one, one lesson learned that I had from that was speak more of your partner's language. So maybe they're not into the numbers. Maybe they, maybe they, maybe they had a childhood where that was taboo and they're like, no, you don't talk about that. Or, or there's some sadness about money. So you have to figure out maybe how they like to be spoken to and then work really hard at that because otherwise you're going to be button heads for a long time. And mm-hmm. I, I've had that, you know, with her when I'm, when I forget that. So uh, that, that would be my advice. Try to figure out a way to speak to your spouse, how they like to be spoken to. I love all that. Yeah, I do too. It, the, the, other, the other thing is, I think if you as a couple get into this habit or this pattern of speaking to each other that way, then it's a whole lot easier to bring kids into the family, not only financially, but also bring kids into the family where they're a part of that discussion too. And then when you need to have those discussions of, we can do this or that, which would you prefer? It's a little easier discussion to say, show them what the needs, the financial needs. But I love what you talked about just prior to John's question, and that was the idea of talking to your kids about being grateful for what you do have and expressing that gratitude. I think that we oftentimes get so into the consumer mindset. I want this. I got it. I want something new. I got it. I want something after that. I got it. And we just kind of march down this path. And I think that that kind of maybe increases our desire to want to post our new things that we've gotten or the new pictures of our family on Instagram or Facebook or wherever so that everybody can see this new thing because we get that dopamine release. We get excited about it. So, if we can get on the same page with our partner financially, if we can have those kinds of conversations, if we can have those kinds of conversations with our kids, and obviously in a manner that they can understand, it sounds like it just makes life a whole lot easier as a family. Yeah. And, and it isn't just like a, you know, one-time deal. It's like a every single day reinforcing the values that you and your partner say this is how we want to be. And then reinforcing those to the kids out loud so they hear it. And that becomes over time who your kids end up being. And unfortunately, you think, well, I already said that to them. I told them that. It's like, keep doing it. Keep showing them the way. Mm-hmm. And eventually, they'll be the kids you're proud of, You're the kids that you're excited about, and the kids that they're happy to be too, instead of wanting what's out there, instead of you know what they have. Right. Absolutely. And I, it's, it sounds like what you and Nicole are doing is creating a very healthy environment around the topic of money and the discussion of money and and the management of money in your household so that by the time that they become adults and they start having, um, you know, working on their own budgets with themselves or with their partners, it'll be a much healthier dynamic than maybe what a lot of us have, have gone to adulthood with all this extra baggage right. and that money is negative. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's an important topic because I remember when I grew up, my, my parents talked to me about money and my dad was very about, Hey, if you want to make money, you go out there and you get it, you work hard and you mm-hmm. provide that value. And my mom was on the other side. Hey, it's great to save money because saving money can give you things that you want in the future. And so I wanted to reinforce those values for my kids too. And I, I found a lot of benefit in that. And 
they are learning a lot more than I learned and I'm seeing it already. Um, when instead of, you know, if my daughter wants something, instead of her coming to be like, Hey dad, I need 20 bucks. I want to buy this thing. She comes to me and says, Hey dad, I want to do some more chores around the house so that I can buy this $20 thing. So it's like, she's already equating, she's eight. She's already equating. Like if I work hard, then I will get money and then I can get the thing. Nice. So I'm trying to reinforce that as early as possible. And it's, it's starting to work. I mean, they're, they're not quite teenagers <laughs> yet. So I'll check back in with you. <laughs> right. But yeah, but uh, if you do like it a, right, I mean, you can get a lot of work done around the house and not have to do the work yourself. <laughs> I'm telling you, man, I'm telling you. Well, I mean, they, they help out a lot around here and it's important. I mean, I want them to know that there are certain things you do around the house that are just things you, you're a part of this family. You have to help. And then there are other things that are above and beyond. And we appreciate that enough to give you, you know, some money for it. So, and we're helping them to, you know, not only earn money for spending, but they, they save it for, uh, you know, future purchases. Uh, they also uh, have an invest jar and they also have a gift jar. So they, they give away some of their money, they invest some of their money and they save it too. So wow, I love reinforcing that. some of those values early. Love that. So I want to tack just a little bit because you and Nicole did something kind of amazing. You were able to pay off your mortgage within five years, even while having kids. And it sounds like I'm catching now while Nicole was dialing back her hours of working for income. Yeah. Yeah. How did you do nuts. that? <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I always like to start this off because I don't want it to be a mystery. We made about $170,000 during that time, during that payoff period. So we had a really a good income. And so we continued that path of living on half uh, after we had paid off our $50,000 of debt. And after we did that, we saved up for a good down payment on the home. And then we yeah, worked hard, continued doing the budget parties, found ways to decrease our expenses, increase our income. And then we kept up that pace for the next a little less than five years. And we paid off our mortgage. So it wasn't easy. There were things that we definitely wanted to use that money for that weren't, you know, paying off the mortgage. But we had, I had a why at that point that I eventually didn't want to always be stuck with a mortgage. The first home that I bought, I bought when I was 22 because I thought it was the right thing to do. And I put 10% down and I was not making enough and, and quickly had my home probably eat up about 50% of my my income. And I was just not enjoying home ownership. And then the Detroit housing market crashed in 2008, 2009, and my home value was about half. So I owed 180 mm -hmm. on it and the value was about 100. So I'm like underwater in this house and I'm not enjoying it. And, and I have to hang out with my friends less and sell my DVDs and CDs on eBay just to make my heating bill payment. I'm like, man, home ownership is owning me <laughs> instead of me owning my home. Right. So by the time we got this next house, I'm like, sweetheart, I never want to do that again. Yes, we can upgrade and get the, you know, the forever home that you want to get, but let's pay this thing off in five years, continue living on half like we have been. And she agreed. So that was sort of our compromise. She wanted to get this nicer house and I wanted the completely debt-free life because I never wanted to have a house own me again. And that was our motivation and, and we did it. I think that one of the surprising things is that most folks don't ever think about this idea of how can we not spend all of the money and more that we make. Right. Yeah. John and I know couples and are working with couples in our credit card payoff course who make money similar to what you and Nicole were making, but mm -hmm. still have found a way to spend every single penny, if not more, 
than what they make, right? Yeah. And we are familiar with these individuals that just the concept of how can we spend less so that we can have more is just completely out of the thought process for the vast majority of Americans, right? We are kind of yeah. trained by this consumerism society that we live in that we have to spend all of the money that we make, right? Yeah. I and think it all comes down to motivation too, though. I mean, there, there were things that I, I, I put out there for both of us that were more exciting to us than the stuff. You know, like, wouldn't it be cool if you for me, if I, I was able to work in a job or own a business that made me happy every day, like that kind of, that kind of dream was more exciting than, than a fancy car for me, even though a fancy car is kind of cool and you get to drive in it every day. I was very happy using my used car so that I would knew that I could go towards this dream of being able to own my own time and do work that I love. So I think it's all about just sort of balancing the <laughs> to your point though, I mean, it's hard because it's, it's immediate goals versus future goals and future goals are harder to plan for because it's not now, mm -hmm. but I was more excited about the life change than I was about any sort of stuff or things or experiences today that helped us to move forward. Yeah. What I'm really getting from listening to you through, through all the questions we've asked, it seems like what you and Nicole did got crystal clear on the things that mattered most to you. And you could sort of use that as your motivation and inspiration to say, well, I would love to have the Audi A3. I would act much hey, more. Hey, hey, hey. <laughs> Careful there. <laughs> I would much rather have my freedom of time, or I would much rather be able to stay home with my children and raise my children myself. It's coming down to getting crystal clear on what you what you most want. And I think so often, especially in our consumer society where there's just advertising everywhere, we think that all this external stuff is the stuff that we want. I mean, it really takes uh, some time and maybe even some quiet space and some intimate conversations with your partner about, okay, let's, let's get real. Let's just put all the distractions aside and figure out what is it that we really want for ourselves and our family. Yeah, I think that's a good point. I think it's making time, making space for those conversations and not filling up your complete schedule, whether you're a parent or, you know, you don't have any kids yet with just to do's. Because if you do that, then any of the small space in between will get filled up with commercials about that Audi A3. <laughs> <laughs> What's funny is, as you you mentioned, the you made the comment about your, you know, you, it would be nice to have that nice sports car. And as soon yep. as you said that, David tapped his computer and he's got a picture on his a desktop of an <laughs> Audi A3 that he wants to buy someday. <laughs> well, so here here's the the middle ground. I have an Audi A4. It's just from 2010. So right. you know, <laughs> there you go. You can do yep. both, right? Exactly, exactly. <laughs> well, and, and John and I have commented, and we've shared this with all of you on the podcast before, that we. Lived in Spain for three months. We work next to each other every single day. We have built up enough money in our retirement now that as long as it continues to grow at a decent clip, average clip of what the market is has been returning, we do not need to put any more money in retirement if we don't want to. The whole way we have done that is buying a home that we could afford on one person's salary, driving a 2006 Mini Cooper, even to this day, right? There are certain trade-offs that we have made 
that allowed us to to live the life that we want. And the same thing for you as who either are parents or want to be parents, right? The same thing. There will be opportunities to take advantage of certain things that will give you a better life, especially the one that you have decided, not the one that everyone else has decided. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And so whether um, you don't have children, but especially if you do have children, you want to listen to Andy's show, Marriage, Kids, and Money. Do you, uh, do you mind giving our listeners a little bit of synopsis of what your show is all about if it's there's more to it than the title? <laughs> Absolutely. Well, I mean, the title does tell a lot. I mean, we, what we're doing is, is talking about how young families can thrive. So whether you're at the beginning of your relationship or you've got, you know, teenagers on their way off to college. We have lots of conversations about how young families can thrive financially, emotionally, and just give your family a great life and 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 talk about that generational wealth that you can build over time so your family does have a legacy moving forward. And I talk with young millionaires, you know, couples that have become financially independent and personal finance experts like David and John on the show as well, oh, just yeah. to help people you know, get to that next level. So yeah, if you want to check it out, you can go to Marriage, Kids, and Money in your favorite podcast player. So kind of you. Thank you. And it's a great show. It's a, it's a very enjoyable and it's, it's full of a lot of useful, practical information, much of similar to what you've shared on, on this particular episode. Uh, so where all can our listeners find your show as well as find you on social media if they want to keep abreast of everything you're doing? Yeah, marriagekidsandmoney.com is the website, and you can find me on social at Andy Hill MKM. That's you know MKM like Marriage Kids and Money at Andy Hill MKM, or yeah, you can uh, go to marriagekidsandmoney.com in a podcast player. That'd be great. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Andy, for coming on the show. It's been great to finally have you on our show, and uh, I'm sure we'll have you back. It's an honor, gentlemen. Thank you so much. How does your bank support the LGBT community? Not at all. For Pride in June, or 365 days a year. Capital One proudly supports the LGBT community throughout the year. Maybe it's time to support a bank that supports us. Go to debtfreeguys.com forward slash cafe for more info. It's not a mystery how some queer couples rocket with their money and others struggle. The winners talk about their money together. Let us help you and your partner talk about your money, whether you're a new couple, an older couple, or a thruple. Between now and Valentine's Day, February 14th, get both the couple's money guide and the Budget Buster bundle, both for just $27. Thank you, Andy, for sharing such amazing insight on how to have children and still win at life with your money. Thanks, too, for your long time and continued support of the queer community. Thank you, our listeners, for listening to another episode of Queer Money. Here is your Queer Money takeaway from this episode. In case you didn't pick up on Andy's advice, it's super critical to get on the same page with your partner, whether you do or you don't, will or won't have kids. Getting on the same money page, being crystal clear on your goals makes reaching them all the easier. With that, don't forget to take advantage of the limited time two-for-one offer of the Couples Money Guide to get on the same page with your partner and the Budget Buster Bundle to finally create that budget that works for you. Get both now through February 14th for just $27 at debtfreeguys.com forward slash 247. Again, we make the Queer Money Podcast for you, so please email your money questions to questions at debtfreeguys.com or post them in the Queer Money Facebook group, and we may answer your question in an upcoming episode. Thank you, and have a great week. From Los Angeles, California to Winooski, Vermont, we're taking Queer Money on the road. Join us as we gamify personal finance with Queer Money Bingo or catch our signature Live Fabulously, Not Fabulously Broke Talk and so much more in between. Check out QueerMoneyPodcast.com forward slash tour or the link in your podcast player regularly for date and location updates.